Hello everybody, it's Michelle. Welcome to our podcast, Change Your Thinking, Change Your Life. Hey, I got a question for you. Have you ever been in a conflict with another person before? All right, all right, all right. I know, I hear you, I hear you. Yeah, uh, maybe the better question is, when was the last time, right? Have, has it been today? Um, well, let's face it, when you're in a world uh, filled with people, um, dealing with people is kind of messy, right? Even when you know them and you love them and you trust them, sometimes there's conflict, right? And so as I was going through my files, I thought, okay, there's, there's uh, this call that I did not too long ago, and it really talks about questions, powerful questions to ask when you're in a conflict, and uh, kind of following this vein and uh, being up here at the cabin, just thinking about what could really add value to you. Um, and I know that we've talked about self-care and we talked a little bit about uh, relationship building. And I thought, man, this is a good one because it gives really good um, advice. And so I understand that giving advice is kind of tricky, right? Um, because sometimes if you see it as that, that kind of helpful free advice, you're like, oh yeah, I'm not going to do anything with that. Right. And so I'm just going to introduce to you the ideas of asking questions in a conflict. You determine from there what you want to do with it. If you want to use it or not, totally up to you. Uh, I'm just presenting you with a new idea today. All right. Enjoy. Take some notes if you're able to. I know some of you, you, you listen a lot when you're, you're driving or, or otherwise moving. So if it's safe for you to do so, I would highly encourage you to take some notes. Um, for many of you who are really um, deeply engaged in this podcast, let me just give you this tip again. It's great to listen the first time. And at the end of the time, you ask yourself, what is my one key takeaway here? And then go and practice that. And then you can come back and you can take some more notes for later. All right. I hope that this next call is helpful to you and that it gets you thinking. So with that, I release you into the wild. Go forth and prosper and I'll catch you next time. All right. Bye-bye. Well, welcome. This is the Friday morning leaders call. Uh, you know what? It's been a few weeks since we've been together. Uh, I had a training and then there was Thanksgiving and um, just a huge shout out to Rose Partiac for um, helping kind of keep everybody on target. Uh, I've been working closely with her, uh, a series of you know, she gave me a topic that she wanted to talk about, and I kind of help her develop a script or um, kind of last minute last week, I found I was double booked, and uh, I was able to just say, here, here's what I already wrote, take it and run with it, and she did. So, uh, Rose, thank you so much for your help. I so appreciate it. Uh, and it's good to be back. Uh, so a little bit, you know, about what's going on in, in my world. Uh, right after this call, I'm going to be jumping in the car because apparently that is my way now. Um, and headed down to Lansing, going to do a keynote presentation for um, a few hundred folks. Uh, really excited about that. And then uh, probably a whole weekend worth of writing. Uh, I know, sounds real exciting, right? Well, so today our topic, um, you know, for whatever reason, I found myself this week getting back into one of my books 
that I learned first when I was coaching um, called Crucial Conversations. Uh, maybe you've read it. Maybe you haven't. Um, if you just Google Crucial Conversations, uh, it will pop up. And the subtitle is Tools for Taking or Tools for Talking When Stakes Are High. And it got me thinking about questions and you know, working with staff and and I don't know, have you guys ever experienced maybe a little drama, a little conflict, a little difficulty, maybe between, you know, um two people or even a group? And so I, I thought, man, this would be a great conversation to have today or at least give you give you a few things to think about. So um when you can ask really powerful questions during those times of conflict, it has a way of opening up the brain to see possibilities that they didn't see before. And it also has a, a way of kind of doing what I call reset, hit the reset button, where somebody might be kind of stuck in some emotion. And if you ask a really great question, you're able to kind of get them unstuck. Um, and it actually, of course, you know, can have the possibility of just moving things forward. So there's going to be four kind of, mm, I guess they're skills or strategies. And then three things that I'd like you to think about. They're kind of called the ABCs of conflict. Okay. So today I'm really going to give you a lot of information and some stories to go along with it, of course. And I'd like you to kind of take this and run with it, meaning, you know, look for a conflict this week and see which one of these things that you can put into practice, okay? And maybe you're doing some already. Um, maybe you're doing all of them. And which one can you kind of up-level or, uh, you know, just become better at, okay? So, um the first thing that they talked about in the conflict chapter was these four things, and I'm going to give them, them to you, and then I'm going to explain them. So first we ask, then we mirror, so like, um, you know, you're looking at in a mirror, right? Then you paraphrase, and then the last one is called priming, priming, so like you're priming a pump trying to get a pump started, right? Uh, you know, not like uh, some people, uh, they they shop so much on Amazon, they're, they're now calling it a verb, they're priming, Amazon priming, right? <laughs> so ask, mirror, paraphrase, and priming. Okay, so let's just imagine that you have um, two or three staff members, and maybe you're in a staff meeting, and you're talking about something, maybe a change or something that you need to, to make in the future, um, and all of a sudden they start to have a, a debate. And at first it might seem like, you know, it, it's okay, um, but then all of a sudden you realize, ooh, we might be going into this area where we're no longer talking about the issues, right? As a side note, of course, many of you know, you know, whatever you, you can do at work, you can also do at home. And so these principles also uh, play into, I don't know, you know, those interactions you might have with your loved one that you're like, hmm, okay. So the first thing is ask. So 
what you want to do is you want to ask them to share their experience or to express themselves. Okay, so some people will not have an issue with this because they're wired in certain in a certain way. Other people are tend to be your more quiet folks. They tend to be maybe a little shy, a little reserved, or they have to do a lot of processing in their mind. Uh, I know me, for instance, when something happens, I've got to do some processing because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And it can seem like I'm fine in the moment and then later on come back and be like, okay, now I have a problem. Um, I really had a problem to begin with, but nobody asked me to really share my thoughts or I didn't feel ready to. Okay, so here's a couple questions that you might ask to get them to share. Um, what's your opinion? Um, what is your view on this subject? Uh, what are your thoughts about this? Or what are you feeling? Now, how do you know which one of those to ask? This is where you have to understand your people a little bit. So, for example, um, we each have a different what's called a representational system that we kind of see the world in. Some of us are more visual. Some of us are more kinesthetic, right? Some people call these uh, multiple intelligences or learning styles. Um, but if you listen to a person really closely, they'll tell you a lot about how they see the world. So if they use words like, I, I see this, or I notice this, or I observe this, or I watch this, well, then they have a visual representational system, okay? So if I wanted them to express themselves or their experience, I'd say, hey, what, what are you seeing in all this, okay? If you know somebody is very um, cognitive, right, they like their data, they like to share, you know, this is what I read, right? Then you can ask them, what's your opinion? Okay, so you're not asking them for a fact. You don't want a fact in this regard. You want to know what their opinion is. They're going to have one, believe me. Cognitive folks always have an opinion. But maybe they're the kind of person that um, they tell stories all the time or they say, oh my gosh, you know, I, I, I got to tell you what's going on. And as they're telling the story, they're telling you all of their feelings throughout the story. Okay, so then you'd ask that person, you know, what are you feeling about all of this? Okay, so that's asking, inviting them to share. Okay, now the next part is called mirroring. You mirror. So when folks kind of get into this spot, let's say you've got three people who are having a conflict and they're all having a conflict but in a different way. So you've got somebody with feelings, somebody with um, an opinion and somebody with, um, you know, the way that they see something. So they're kind of sharing their experience, and it's maybe the same experience, just viewed in a different way. So when you get to mirroring, you want to show them what you see. Um, show them what you would like to see out of their actions and behaviors. So, for example, um, you might say to the person who's really kind of getting worked up, hey, you know, you look really upset. What's going on? What, what's going on? And then one that, that is a key question. Now, listen to the difference of these two questions. 
would you like help? Versus, do you need help? Would you like help versus do you need help? And there's a big difference here. When you say the word would, it's more inviting and it gives the person the feeling that they can definitely say yes or no. Now, when you say, do you need help? Yeah, technically you can still say yes or no to that, right? But when you say the word do, it's almost like um, a judgmental thing. Okay, so for example, um, the other night, my my husband, he has noticed that, you know, this is a, a busy time of year. This is There's a lot going on, and he's trying to be helpful, right? Now, he doesn't come in and say, hey, I, I noticed that you're having a rough time right now. Would you like help? What can I help you with? He comes in and says, hey, I see you're having a moment. Do you need help? Or he comes in and says, hey, I see you're having a hard time. This is what you should do. Think about that. Okay, which which one of those feels better to you? I know to me it would be great if he would say, hey, I see you're having a hard time. Would you like help? Is there anything I can do for you? Well, yeah, if you ask it like that, sure. But when he says, do you need help, and the tone of his voice tells me that he really doesn't want to help, or when he comes and says, I want to help, and and this is how I'm going to help you, I'm like, wait a minute, that just made extra work for me. Um, When you're mirroring in this part of the conversation, you also want to be very attuned to kind of modeling for them the behavior that you would like. So let's say you're in the staff meeting, three people are really going at it. Now you want to model for them things like breathing. So they might be worked up and breathing fast. So you want to make sure that you're kind of taking deep breaths. You want to model your tone of voice. So you're not going to be monotone, right, real flat, but you're also not going to try to get really excited either, okay? And then also watch your speed of your voice. So usually when people are worked up, they begin to talk faster. So if you can slow down your words a little bit, what happens is that the person who's really worked up has to pause in their thinking in order to process what you're saying. So really what happens is you bring them back to reality and this is what we're talking about. Did you hear that? Now, you don't talk like that all the time, but this works out really well, too, with children when they're getting kind of ramped up, that you can slow down your breathing, lower the tone of your voice, and slow down the speed. And sometimes, sometimes if you're working one-on-one with a child, um, it's a little bit easier to where you can go over to them and almost whisper in their ear. And when you whisper, they have to calm down and listen to what you're saying, okay? And then the next step is to paraphrase. So this is, you know, they're going to talk and say something. You're going to paraphrase. So um, you're going to say, all right, so 
um, what you're saying is, and then you kind of give the highlights, right? You're not going to repeat what they say. You're not going to quote what they say. You're just going to give the highlights. We want to make sure that we're not using an I statement. So that was kind of a big training way back when. Um, because anytime you bring the word I into it, the topic of conversation ceases to be about that person and the focus goes on to you. So subconsciously you're telling that person that this conversation is now about me. Okay, so when you paraphrase, you say, okay, so what you're saying is that, da 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 Okay, so let's say this conversation or conflict is happening. There's three people here, and you, and you say, okay, so what you're saying is this, what you're saying is this, and what you're saying is this. And then the next question you want to ask is, did I get that right? Okay? Because you're trying to move the group forward, and you need to make sure that, number one, that you were right, because you always assume that, assume that you weren't. Okay? That's, that's a great communication tool. Always assume you don't have enough information. Um, but you also want them to get into agreement so that you can move forward. Okay? Um, so, for example, every time I do a teaching or a training, if I'm sharing a teaching point, I will, um, you know, afterwards I'll say, does that make sense? Because if a person says yes and they're in agreement, most likely it's being cemented in their head. Okay, so you, you they talk and say something, you paraphrase, and then ask, did I get that right? Okay, and now the, the, the last step is called priming. Now, this is for the folks that um, may be a little more quiet, or for whatever reason, let's say you're having this conflict, and three people are really going at it, Two people seem to be okay with the whole paraphrasing idea, but the third person, for whatever reason, now seems like they're resistant. Maybe they've gone quiet, or maybe their body language is telling you, yeah, I'm totally done with this conversation. We don't want to leave them there because we do want to have some sort of conclusion to what's happening or at least next steps about how we can get to that conclusion. Okay? So it's really you're you're trying to um get them to share again. Now, at this point you're kind of taking a risk. You're taking a chance. Um because there's no guarantee that you're going to be able to get them to share number 1. And there's also no guarantee that what's going to come out of their mouth is going to be constructive, <laughs> okay? Um, but if you don't ask, you'll never know, okay? So um, try to think about what you think they're saying, right? So, so as you've paraphrased whatever they've said, get a real feeling for what you think their, their issue is and just say, can you tell me more about that? Okay, so maybe the other two are good. They feel like, okay, I've said my piece, I, I'm, I'm good on this. But this third person is resistant. Turn to them and say, can you tell me more about that? Or you may even have to go right back to that first step again with that one person. Okay? Does that make sense? 
Okay, and and you can do this one-on-one with another person as well. Um, I actually do this with my children here at home. Of course, they don't know what I'm doing. So please, if you see them, don't tell them. <laughs> um, but also you can um, do this in a, like a coaching relationship or um, maybe you have an employee who, you know, you need to have a hard conversation about their performance. Maybe you have a coworker and you're having an issue and you're like, okay, I can be the one, I can be the the big girl and, and make this happen, right? Okay, so I want to share with you the ABCs of conflict. So this is really um, trying to help us get forward, not not ignoring the conflict, but going through the conflict. Um, how many of you like conflict? Now, there are certain personalities, and you probably know somebody like this who seems to really like conflict, right? Um, and then there's other personalities that will avoid it at all costs. Uh, and I've come to the understanding in my own life, I've typically been a person who avoids conflict. And I realize how much a certain amount of conflict and struggle is important when I'm trying to support other people in their growth and learning. So it's not uncommon for me to say to a coaching client, I am I am very comfortable with your discomfort right now. Instead of ignoring it, I know the value of it when it's done well. Okay, so the ABCs, I'll give them to you. There's three. Agree. Build. Compare. Agree. Build. Compare. Now, for for some of you who are in early childhood, which makes up a a good majority of of folks who kind of show up on this line, um, you'll notice that these are very related to our standards of conflict resolution that we use in the classroom. And I'm a firm believer that what we learn in those early days of life really not only follows us, but, but greatly influences how we uh, live our life, both personally and professionally. So, so as I'm sharing these, maybe in your mind, think about, ooh, how does that relate to my work? Okay? So the first thing is agree. So that's pretty simple. Um, what can we agree on? So this is about finding common ground. So for example, in this same scenario, you're in a, uh, staff meeting and you've got several people who are arguing about whatever it is. Um, And so you want to get the three of them to, and not just the three of them, actually everybody in the staff meeting, if possible, you want to get everybody kind of finding what is our common ground here? What is the thing that we can definitely agree on? So maybe you're talking about different curriculum pieces, or maybe in your your business you're talking about which product line should be launched first. What is something that everybody can agree on? So I suggest to you that possibly, and, and if you've done your groundwork on this, that it can be your vision and your values. 
So your mission, your vision, your values that you've agreed on, that you've said this is who we are, this is what we're about, this is the work that we do, this is who we serve, right? So coming back to that. So what you're trying to do is put focus on the things that you agree on that are positive rather than things that you disagree on. So, um, you know, it's interesting because I've witnessed enough conflicts in many various situations that there's this thing that's called a violent agreement, a violent agreement. So this is the phenomenon that two people are actually agreeing on something, but for whatever reason, they're kind of stuck in their feelings and they seem to still be fighting. So even though they're agreeing, they're still fighting. Okay? Or they might be saying something that's a little different, but yet it's still the same thing. Okay? So when you ask them, what can we agree on, where's our common ground, and get them thinking in that regard, it stops some of this violent agreement. Okay? Now, the second one, um, it, it may or may not have questions going along with it, but the build uh, scenario, you're trying to build on that common ground, right? You don't want to give power to differences. So, for example, if you say, um, you know, our common ground is that we are going to serve our people with the highest degree of respect possible. And let's say one person has a problem because they don't feel like it's respectful to the people. And another person says, well, yes, it is. And so they're going back and forth, back and forth. So you come to the agree part and you say, okay, so we're, we're both in agreement that we're trying to figure out what is most respectful for the people that we serve. Yes, yes, okay. So what is most respectful for the people that we serve? And you might have to put their focus somewhere outside of the group in that, well, I don't know, maybe we should ask the people that we're serving. Would they like the option A or option B? So then it's not, you know, the people in the group who are deciding. It's you're asking somebody else. Another option is when two people seem to be kind of going at it in a larger group, you can also say, okay, everybody just pause right now. So you're agreeing on your common ground. And you say, okay, this this is our common ground, and we're going to build on this. You might put it to a vote or maybe a consensus in the group and say, all right, so we've got these two options on the table. What do you think? Okay, so then it's not you coming in and saying, this is what we're going to do, but it's also not one other person saying, this is what we're going to do, or one saying, this is what we're not going to do. Okay. And, and the third step is kind of related to that. So it's, it's the compare step. So you want to stay away from labeling anything right or wrong. So let's say you have two or three options for things. You don't want to say, well, this one is right and the other two are wrong, especially as the leader. Whenever you have options on the table, you want to honor and value that we have options, but you don't want to make a person feel like they were wrong. Um, you could say, okay, that, that's one way that we could do it. 
And you could also suggest that, you know, maybe these three ways are all different paths to the same goal. So what you're doing is you're, again, honoring and valuing each one of those because somebody brought up that thought or idea or concern. So it's not right or wrong. It's just a different way of looking at it. Okay. So um, another thing that is really helpful when you're in this scenario or situation is to ask the larger group at this point, what other options do we have on the table? So again, you're taking the focus from these two or three people in conflict to reminding everybody it's about the whole group. Um, and then one question you might ask, you know, maybe you put some options up on your, your whiteboard or a chart paper or whatever, and then you can ask, how can we move on together? So this communicates out to the group that we are a team. We are doing this together, and we do not want to leave anybody behind. And there's not a winner and there's not a loser because we're not fighting each other. And one thing I, I've tried, too, especially in larger groups that get a little more heated um, when we're doing strategic planning, let's say, because that's a, you know, we're, we're setting the intention for the next two to three years about the work that we're going to do. So some people tend to have really, um, you know, great attachments to that, and, and they should, is I'll ask, okay, so we have two or three options on the table for how we're going to do this one thing. So tell me, what is different about each one, and how do those differences help us achieve our common ground goal? So again, the focus is on, okay, let's acknowledge that they're all different, and let's acknowledge that each one of those might also get us to our goal. So it takes the people out of the attachment feeling phase about this is my idea into, ah, yes, we're, you know, coming to a different kind of logical thinking in our head. And some people who are very attached to their thought or opinion may be able to change their, their mind because they're comparing and contrasting. Okay? But that key question is always, how can we move on together? Because it's not really about the answer. It's about making sure that everybody in this, um, you know, crucial conversation or conflict feels respected and valued and honored, that they're a part of the group. Okay? So one thing that I would encourage you to do, there's seven kind of areas that I've, I've shared with you today, is really um, pick out one or two things that you want to focus on this week and practice practice. Maybe it's finding common ground just in every conversation that you deal with. You know, what is the area that we agree on? Um, maybe it's paraphrasing, you know. Maybe it's priming where you notice the person for whatever reason seems a little quiet or, or distant or resistant. You know, how can I ask them a question that might get them sharing with me? Okay. So I would love to hear your feedback. Um, what did you choose to, to work on? What did you do? What did you find out? Um, I, I 
get more energy, I think, when you guys send me feedback. Um, and I love preparing for these calls and figuring out how can I really add value to you. But I got to say, I think I get way more value from it. Um, so, oh, yes, also, um, stay connected to our social media. So um, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. I have a, a partner helping me. He's going to be putting some really cool stuff on, on there. Um, you'll notice things are just a little bit different here. Um, and then next week, I'm very excited. Well, next week's topic, so let me tell you that quickly, is we're going to focus on a little bit of group coaching. So, again, thinking about this, you're working with a group. Um, and how do you empower groups to get stuff done? Okay. Um, and then next Friday is my birthday, so please come on to the call um, and celebrate my birthday with me. It would be a great way to kick off the day, um, and I'm really looking forward to that. Okay, so it is 8.30 on the dot. Um, I am holding an image of you being intentionally influential, powerfully productive, and empowering and engaging the people you serve. So go be awesome, have an amazing week, and make sure you send me your feedback. All right, we'll talk soon. Bye-bye.